This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's a sunny day at Chikochi, a bright sunny day. And uh, I hear that the world will be turning tomorrow. Tomorrow is the winter solstice. And uh, just as the, uh, the world is turning toward more light. I'm carefully hopeful that uh, our culture and our society and our our health will be turning to to greater light. Carefully hopeful, and I think I think we all feel that that with the change of the uh, uh, hopefully the end of the pandemic and the change of the administration uh, there's a possibility at least a little possibility to be carefully hopeful so with this solstice I feel Uh, kindly hopeful um, and I'm very grateful to be here at Chikoji with a few of us and very very grateful uh, to be with all of you that uh, can't be here but are, are nonetheless still with us still as Sangha Recently, we've had a, uh, with the Rohatsu Seshin, led by Doug, we've had an investigation and, and other teachers as well. We've had an investigation of, of a very uh, rich, effulgent and beautiful uh, expression of the Dharma. And last week with Jiro as well, we had a kind of unfolding of the um, of these wonderful marks of uh, of awareness of the integration of body and mind, the integration of of understanding and uh, and settling in practice that's expressed by the the uh, wind and the moon, as he, uh, as Giroux taught us uh, last week. At any rate, it feels like we're, we've, we've been well-fed and, uh, and we've had a, a rather rich diet 
recently. Um, delicious. And today I would like to uh, I'd like to bring it all back to something more uh, elemental and basic. Uh, I'm hopeful that today we can we can just talk about our practice together, the actual experience of our practice, the um, the nuts and bolts, you could say, of our practice, the, the, the issues and ways that we come together in this particular way of being quiet and still. And, and let's, let's together talk about um, how we're doing, how it's going, how we're, uh, how we're experiencing it, and um, and let's uh, share our experiences as much as possible. So instead of a uh, a discourse of any way or or, or more um, uh, teachings from the history of, of the Buddha Dharma, let's together uh, talk about um, our experience. Um, it was. Uh, suggested to me that that we do this. And uh, I'd particularly like to hear from those that have to, by the circumstances of this COVID situation, those that have to, have to practice uh, independently. Um, I think uh, it would be, it might be useful for us to share our experiences if, or questions or uh, uh, issues that come up as we try and um, sustain or negotiate this, this practice, this independent practice time. My, my experience um, of practicing independently was I found it, I found it personally uh, more challenging, frankly, to set up a practice schedule and be faithful to that practice schedule, or just to, just to give myself the energy to come to practice when I was practicing independently. I had a time when I was younger when Kobanchino Roshi encouraged me to do a uh, a solitary retreat, and I I did it uh, uh, for about four months, and um, it was you know it was more difficult to be my own boss to set up my own schedule and so on. So um, I'm wondering if. Those of you that are practicing independently, those of you that uh, have to be um, your own your own boss and and establish your own practice independently, how I'm asking, how is it going? So unless uh, uh, 
I would ask, uh, let's open it up for right away for um, discussions and questions and comments about our our practice. Does anyone have any anything they would like to uh, bring up? Um, anything come to mind? I'll start if no one else wants to, and if anyone's hearing me. Thanks, Cliff. Yeah, go ahead. I'm finding that uh, practice itself, uh, doing a sashin is impossible by myself without the pressure, peer pressure. So I can sort of go along with the schedule, but it's uh, almost a devastating failure throughout and I condemn myself for that but at the same time I have to accept myself and secondarily even in my daily practice I do the same or even more practices but uh, the long sittings are almost entirely gone because it hurts so I don't sit for more than probably 20-30 minutes or so and then the the mindfulness uh I have three minds. One is sitting as Zazen, one is ordinary mind, and uh, the other is some, well, there's also sleep and all that sort of stuff, but they vary back and forth. And I'm thinking that uh, the steady, steadiness of uh, Zazen and Sashin mind just isn't part of my current existence. I'm in ordinary mind most of the time, sort of egocentric mind, and I'm sort of feeling torn between that and trying to, so there's some aspect of non-self-acceptance and all that. All in all, it's quite a, quite a chore. <laughs> and I feel that I'm always feeling, so that's all for now. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Does anyone want to comment on that or um, have any, anything to add? Uh, hi, Mike and uh, Cliff. It's Kobe. Uh I don't have a regular sitting schedule, to be honest, uh, but I'm okay with it. Uh, I sit in nature. I sit at night when I wake up and I can't sleep. I sit. Sometimes I sit in the middle of the day. So I'm sitting every day, most days, but not... Uh, I'm kind of rebellious with schedules and stuff. <laughs> I know that's not been a good sense to that, but um, what inspired me recently is like Angie's, uh, Angie's uh, illness again. Uh, it prompted me, it prompted, it has prompted me to go back and listen to recordings of her old teachings, which I hadn't heard. So I've been listening to Uji, in particular, their teachings from 10 years ago, from 2010. And I felt very supported by her voice and her teaching, even though I can't talk to her right now. And uh, 
Yeah, it clarified some confusion for me. It actually uh, restored my determination to practice again. You know, uh, by that I mean, uh, Dogen talks about time being in Uji or being this being as time, time as this being. And uh, it made me something Angie said about beginner's mind. It made me determined to, in the sitting practice, to keep returning to beginner's mind. So it kind of changed the quality of my sitting as not so, um, you know, easygoing actually, but yeah. And then, and then the mm, teaching of Dogen about non-gaining mind or Soto Zen, non-gaining mind. And in my mind, it coupled like non-gaining mind can be sustained by faith. So it gave me faith that what they say about practice and enlightenment as one, and that if you're all Buddhas, these are not just slogans that I've heard for many years. So I realized all the time wasted and that I want to practice in this way, that by two, I'm a Buddha, everybody's a Buddha. So I can't, I'm sorry if I'm, uh, I'm not trying to bullshit, but that's just what's uh, going on with me. And I also want to thank uh, Jikoji, you, Doug, all the residents, the Shusho, the two Shushos, for uh, keeping this practice for us alive so we could, we could attend, you know, as much as we could in the middle of our life. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the community that way. Um, yeah. I applaud Cliff for his, who's his empty chair, for his direct honesty. It's, I very much appreciate it. I hope it was as honest as he was here. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to share. Yes, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> I guess my first, um, my first uh, thought is that I don't remember most of it, and that has been the experience also. Um, I have been very regularly uh, practicing meditation on my own. I have uh, had, I've been doing a daily set of uh, at least uh, 20 to 22 minutes. And then that extends to many more minutes or hours in the day, depending upon the day. And, uh, and I guess I've, uh, I've, I've, I've been um, in my, in my mind, I've been. It has been very, very quiet, uh, very quiet, and and it's and that has felt very, very good. And I guess the biggest, uh, the biggest thing uh, that I have realized uh, with the practice is is I'm able to I'm able to feel uh, and recognize some of the 
things I've heard uh, in the talks at Jikoji over the years, uh, especially around forgetting. And I feel like there are so many things that I'm forgetting. Uh, and, and those things like don't feel like uh, me anymore. And uh, it just feels like, um, I mean, there is, it feels like the emotional energy around what I felt like I was is changing and it is, uh, and it's getting replaced by just quiet. And, and there is a, there's a sense of like breaking. There's a sense of breaking, uh, that keeps happening, uh, repeatedly I feel, and it, it feels, uh, positive, it feels good. Um, that's... Thank you. I, I think I mentioned that I, I uh, when I was younger, I had a, Coven uh, asked me to do a solitary re retreat. And uh, before I, it was in the woods in, in Wisconsin, in, in the winter, um, it's a very interesting time. Um, but I, I got some advice uh, before I went into uh, a solitary retreat, and the advice I got was very useful. It's it, the advice uh, the person told me that uh, even though I was practicing alone, I should um, I should set up a schedule. And I, try, I tried to set up a schedule, you know, to sit for a certain amount of time each day. And um, that didn't work. And so I, I called him uh, back and he gave me some more advice. He said, well, just owe each day a certain amount of incense. And um, it sounds strange, but um, that really worked for me. What, well, I was practicing quite a bit and doing some studies as well. So I, I assigned myself uh, um, two and a half sticks of incense to practice each day. <laughs> and I, you know, you offer incense, some people offer incense when they begin to sit, they like to the smell and it's, it's a good, it's a nice thing to do because the smoke kind of disappears and kind of joins with everything. So I'd offer incense with a stick of incense and sit with that stick of incense and then again and, uh, and a half stick uh, later in the evening. Um, so I had no set time to practice, but each day I owed that day two and a half sticks of incense. And um, obviously there were days when I was um, engaged and there were other days when I, I had less energy or, um, or was distracted or um, um, I don't know, just lazy, you could say. So um, the sticks that I did not sit with that day, I owed, I owed to the next day. <laughs> so 
And there was some times when I had quite a backlog of incense sticks to sit with. So that, that little bit of um, form and, that, and, and my, my vow to, to, be, to have that integrity to owe each day two and a half sticks of incense, um, that really helped me practice, really helped me stay on the cushion stay there until the incense burned down or um, sometimes I wouldn't be able to finish a whole stick of incense and I'd, oh, this little, <laughs> this little bit of extra incense plus the other incense. So it got complicated, but the, the point is that um, with this little bit of form, I, I, I had integrity to my, my daily practice and um, it really helped. It really helped me to practice. So I don't think that's the only, you know, uh, way to, to practice alone, but it, it, it's one way that worked for me. And, uh, um, and later when I, when I wasn't uh, with Sangha and I was practicing alone, uh, I tried the same thing with just just one stick of incense a day or a half a stick of incense a day, depending on how busy my life was. And that helped, it helped. Um, I had a very nice relationship to my, my incense. So. I'd like to piggyback on that incense talk from Mike. Thank you, Mike. Um, incense uh, hasn't been useful for Marie and I, uh, either before COVID or not, because Marie's sensitive to incense. So uh, we don't burn incense. Um, but uh, our practice has been um, I say in, quite independent of Sangha since uh, we married and uh, live here together. So we've been uh, we've been sangha for each other for these um, over six years, and and actually this year because of um, our various sanghas going virtual, we've had more contact with sangha than we usually have because we've been able to join in with uh, Jikoji and Floating Zendo and Santa Cruz Zen Center all online and we have a sort of our routine, our weekly routine of when we sit with each of those sanghas. Um, and, um, and, and she has a sangha in Durango, Colorado too, that uh, we sit with once, once a week. So we've actually had uh, more uh, support, so to speak, um, uh, in a sense, it's maybe been more uh, social contact uh, even though it's nonverbal for the most part, um, because with both of us being uh, longtime sitters, our, um, we feel okay being independent. We uh, tend to uh, sit regularly in the morning and um, most evenings, but not much in between. Uh, in the mornings, once again, in, independent of the uh, pandemic, we uh, have a regular 
yoga and qigong and tai chi practice, which gives us a few hours every morning of practice. That's become a good solid routine for us, most of it outdoors, unless it's raining. Um, and, and we share that with our our guests, those of our guests here at our Airbnb who want to join us, um, participating in that as well as they did this, this morning and yesterday morning. Um, so my trusty old laptop here is telling me that my battery is low and I'm going to uh, have a forced uh, absence because we don't have uh, power here on the porch where I'm sitting. Uh, as I look at my little thumbnail image on the screen, I feel like I'm sort of a, uh, um, uh, that, uh, the, the character from the uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, the famous Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, musical the, um, with, with the mask going down his face, you know, half white, half black. Um, but um, anyway, that's uh, what, what my image looks like. But I feel quite whole. I don't feel like that masked image. So thank you for uh, letting me share these few minutes. And thank you, as uh, Kave said, to all of you at Jikoji and uh, who have enabled us, uh, who, who live at a distance, to uh, join in by you're able to put it online and, and taking care of uh, Jikoji. It, um, throughout throughout this year, throughout the fires, uh, uh, very indebted. Look forward to uh, when we can join once again. Well, I wanted to add that I, I try to participate more uh, in Rohatsu than usual, but as Cliff said, I, I found found it quite difficult to try to do sashin in a virtual way. So uh, I, I look forward to the next sashin that's open at Chikoji because I, I need a good solid sit in the Zendo uh, at Chikoji. Thank you. Um, Mike, yeah, hi, it's Tom. Um, that was a phantom of the opera that you were talking Good. about. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't come up with it. You know, one of those senior yeah, moments every day. <laughs> phantom of the opera. But um, yeah, my my sitting, um, I, I sat for for much of much of Rohatsu Seshin, and um, it sort of made me realize how much more I should, how much more practice I should do. Um, and, and besides, you know, I'm in Milwaukee and I belong to the Milwaukee Zen Center. And, um, you know, uh, for before the, the pandemic and, and, uh, and then, uh, you know, for a while in the middle of the pandemic when it seemed to be getting milder, uh, I, I, did, I was doan every Wednesday at the Zen Center. Um, and but really that was the only the only zazen I was doing, and um, and even now uh, for the last few weeks uh, um, since uh, Rayrin, um, you know Mike, you know uh, everybody here, but but um, 
the, um, for the last few weeks, Raymond's closed the, the Zen Center um, because it, it got so bad in Wisconsin, the pandemic. And so, but still I was just sitting, um, I was just sitting one, one day a week on, on Wednesday. And, um, but, but she's on, she's on Zoom. Uh, she does Zazen on Zoom every, uh, every day of the week, really. And, um, but I was only going on Wednesday. And then last, last week I was, uh, I was on a family Zoom call with my brothers and sisters. And we met, uh, one of my nieces got engaged and her, uh, her, uh, uh, fiance is uh, he's a priest of uh, this African sort of indigenous religion. It's called Afa. He's from Nigeria. And um, it's a really interesting guy. But he, um, one of my sisters said, well, um, um, my brother Tom is studying to be a priest. I'm studying with Mike. And, um, and uh, he said, oh, do you do Zazen every day? And uh, and I said, uh, no, I do it once a week. And then, so this past week I did it every day. So, so, um, <laughs> so I, I, uh, I hope to continue doing it every day because it's, that's a good question. And, and uh, doesn't seem like once a week is quite enough. So anyway, but I don't feel like I'm independent, but my practice is independent because, you know, we have Zoom every morning from, you know, for two periods. So, so anyway, that's every, my story. Every day is always good. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Michael's yeah. been teaching us, leading us in uh, uh, the teachings from Joko Beck, and uh, one of Joko a list of uh, uh, meditation instructions. It's very valuable. Um, I can send it out to people if they like. Um, yeah, I like one of the important things is uh, um, just to sit every day, every day, every day, check in every day. Even if you can only sit five minutes, just every day. It's kind of huh. and something to bear in mind with practice that we often forget about um, because we think of it as a um, as something that we're doing, that it's a job or uh, activity for us. Um, if we can bear in mind, if we can ev evoke the sense of our practice as being a, a gift, you know, and a gift, not just to ourselves, it's definitely a gift to ourselves, but not to ourselves, but it, it dissipates, it permeates, it's, it moves out, it affects, it affects the world, being still and being quiet and meeting yourself at this crossroad of the present moment on a daily basis um, change, changes, changes the atmosphere around you and changes the world. It affects, it does affect things. So um, what, when you can in your practice, particularly when you're sluggish or, or feel feel like your energy is diminished as far as practice, Bear, evoke that sense of I, I'm, giving, I'm giving a gift. I'm, I'm, I'm making an offering to the world um, by just being still. And uh, that, 
that kind of self-encouragement can can um, give you give you energy give you help you to to um, do it again and we that's what we do we do it and we do it again so anyone else want to share something if if i may just one little thing that helped for me was um, first something similar to what you do, Mike. Every time before I sit, I evoke the ancestors. You know, the idea of millions and millions and millions of people are sitting right now with you, right now, because there is no time, there's no past, there's no future, it's all now. So you are not alone when you're sitting. As for routine, um, this, this sounds strange, but when you wake up in the morning, it kind of had to do with something that Shaishan, uh, and you can sit any way you want. So what, you, what I do is I just sit up and then I sit, I evoke the ancestors and sit. Because as soon as I hit the ground, you know, and my foot touches, the ground, the floor, my cat wants me, the dog wants me, I've got a routine going and all of that, but you just sit up and you, you wrap yourself up in a blanket, it's really cold or whatever, and you just evoke the ancestors and just sit that moment for as long as you feel comfortable. That, that just, is, it starts the day off so nicely, that's all. So I just thought you might, find that useful. Mm, thank you. Um, Michael. Go ahead, Michael. Did you? Oh, yeah, I'll just uh, thank you for this uh, opportunity to talk about the practice. That's it's, uh, been on my mind a lot. Um, you know, I've I've always been heart sick to come back to Jokoji and sit, but Doug reminded me we carry the practice wherever we go. I don't have to be a Jokoji, you know, uh, and uh, that's important. That's important, you know, and um, I have to remember that. And and I like your comment with the incense. I think I'm having trouble sitting every day, um, and and it's it's a discipline. And I am better to be around, like you said. I'm better to be around when I'm sitting regularly. I'm quieter, calmer. And uh, I just have to get back to it. And I just wanted to say a plug that today we at 2 p.m. we finish uh, every day's end. Uh, so if anyone can make it at two, it'd be great to see you. Thank you. Um, yeah, part of um, my practice here in the in the Central Valley is uh, my wife and I try to get out to nature to. Um, somehow I think more engage my senses than anything else. And, and um, there's a place uh, nearby, it's called Merced Wildlife Refuge, National Wildlife Refuge, between Merced and Los Banos. And we've been down there numerous times and the, the snow geese and the sandhill cranes at sunset, right before sunset, just come, you know, flowing in and, it's, it's, it's just sort of like you can lose yourself 
I don't know if I lose myself. I get so into my body with that experience that uh, it, it, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. So anyway, yesterday we went down and we left Modesto where I live. It was nice and clear and we headed on down. And by the time we got down there, it was just the thickest valley fog I think I've ever experienced just in that area. Get down into the farmland. And there's a road that you drive around at this refuge. And, you know, that it was just sort of like I had to come to grips with, you know, that metaphor of the fog or being in a fog. And, um, and I think it's, it's sort of like my expectations were kind of dashed. I, I wanted this wonderful experience I was going to have and I've had in the past. And all of a sudden I'm in this fog. <laughs> And it's just sort of like, well, it's a metaphor for life in a way. The, the expectations just get dashed. And uh, it, it, and I had to come to grips with that. And it's sort of like the senses of my eyes were kind of gone. And it was just all ears. And it's like making a shift. It, it's sort of like when things, all of a sudden, you have to make shift to somehow just sort of get through it. And, you know, it wasn't a terrible experience, but it was just sort of all ears. And, and you know, when they came right over, you'd see these rough shadows. I mean, you could see about 20 yards in front of you, and that was it. So, um, yeah, so it was just nice to get out and out of my usual routine teen here and, and be in nature. And, and I think yesterday was just, you know, I... Um, you know, now that I've looked back on it and kind of digested it a little bit, I, um, I'm a little more appreciative of the fog <laughs> instead of not being this wonderful situation that I wanted. So, yeah, so my practice is just trying to get out and about and uh, being with nature besides my, you know, besides sitting in the morning, which I do. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. What, uh, <clears throat> what you... What you just mentioned remind me, uh, there's this wonderful book by uh, Ann Horowitz. Um, <clears throat> it's, called, it's called On Looking, uh, 11 Walks with Expert Eyes. And what she's, it's a wonderful book, uh, a kind of mindful walking book in nature. Um, mm. And what she talks about is, uh, a uh, kind of coming coming to grips with what we what she calls adapt adaptive ignorance. Um, adaptive. <laughs> adaptive ignorance. Yeah. In other words, like in order to in order to be um, aware or cognizant of of anything in the events of our 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 lives, we. Um, We discriminate. We actually actively discriminate. We choose what to what to give our attention to. And uh, actually, I, I have her. Uh, I have a quote here. Um, Adaptive ignorance. We. We celebrate it as concentration, 
and welcome it, welcome its ways of easing our cognitive overload by allowing us to conserve our precious mental resources only for the stimulus of immediate and vital importance and to dismiss or entirely miss all else. Basically, attention is an, attention is an intentional and unapologetic discriminator. Attention is an intentional and unapologetic discriminator. <clears throat> and she goes on to say that while this may make, make us uh, more efficient in our goal-orientated day-to-day life, it also makes us inhabit a large, a largely unlived and unremembered life, day to day and day out. This is a, and, and then she goes on to have exercises in, in what she calls a, attentive bias. In other words, like she's, she's trying in these walks, these, are, these kind of meditative walks that she has, like, like, uh, like you just mentioned with the fog, He's um, actively um, encouraging us to be aware that in focusing on one thing, on focusing on, we're actually discriminating. We're actually, it's actually a kind of bias. And to be aware of what we might call the context or the whole field of, of um, potential awareness. Um, anyway, I recommend that book. It's called On Looking by Ann Horowitz. Um, so you, you can check it out. Good one for an artist too, <laughs> or a photographer. Anyone else have, have anything to add? Pamela? Um, I have been pretty diligent about my practice because I was afraid that if I didn't, I might just completely fall apart. So I'll admit that. I feel like I have relied upon it, really relied upon Zazen during the whole pandemic. And um, Rahatsu, I found um, you know, difficult like every session, but also this particular session, I found really helpful. The teachings were great and I got through it. But I had the experience in an earlier session back, I think one that Doug did back early in the pandemic, of really struggling and being very unhappy about sitting session and trying to figure out what it is I miss. Like, what am I missing? What am I missing by not being with people? because we're not exactly touching each other or talking. So what is it I'm missing? And it, it took me probably that entire session uh, to come to terms with that. And the last two days were easier like every other session, but I, I, um, 
I think that the practice requires us to, at least for me, I don't know, for anybody else, I have to have it uh, with me all the time. It's not just in Zazen and it's not just during Sashin. It, it kind of has to be uh, with me all the time. And so that's why I've been religious about it during the pandemic because I don't get to be with other bodies which are supportive physically to be like a little lemming and follow everybody into the zendo and sit together and have that kind of support. Mm -hmm. So um, I've been pretty careful to kind of honor um, kind of the obligation because if I don't, I don't think it's pretty actually, you know, things start unraveling for me. I don't know if that means it's a big crutch or if it just is supportive. That's how it's been. Not easy, even so. Can I say something? Yes, yes. Good morning. Thank you for um, opening up this topic. It's really nice to hear everybody's stories and how they're doing. Um, I find that I'm doing more now with this pandemic than I ever did because um, I, I have a routine. I get up every morning at five and I sit with the Santa Cruz Zen Center. And I, I even though I feel really alone, um, we're together. And I, I, it, and it starts my day with being um, mindful to be patient. So this week has been really crazy. I've been helping a client of mine move, and uh, she's got to work out. Um, she's like a personal trainer, and she's got all this rowing team in her yard and on her lawn, and it's just um, it's busy. So we moved this. Um, this outhouse to the new location because, you know, everybody, she has to have an outhouse for her participants. So it's this new place. And I worked really hard at camouflaging it, like sticking it in the bushes with the pittosporum and the hedge and the escalonia. I put a wreath on it. I, you know, I, I really camouflaged it. So there was like maybe, you know, two feet, exposed from this big monster outhouse and this the lady across the street she comes over and she starts yelling at me you know I don't want to look at that I you know and she's just going off and I just stood there and like asked her you know where do you live and so I walked over there and I looked and honestly she couldn't see it but it was the fact that she saw it getting moved that upset her and so she knew it was there even though she couldn't see it and I was really invested because I thought I had done a really great job camouflaging it, you know, and I really wanted to make my client happy. But um, I just conceded the point. And I just said, okay, yeah, sure. And uh, what we will do is we'll just take the gate down and we'll move it into the backyard. But it's going to take, you know, a couple days to get the gate down and move it into the backyard. But um, she just kind of did an about face and like, you know, after going off seriously for 10 minutes, um, she 
I, she, you know, she thanked me for being agreeable for just conceding the point. And um, I find that my practice helps me show up, be a better person, have right thought, right speech, right action. And I'm constantly catching myself. Um, and I just want to thank you for being here on Sunday and that my little tablet Zoom is working because sometimes it's really challenging. And um, especially on Sunday, because I'm doing laundry and bringing in firewood and playing with Kitty and planning paper whites. And I'm like, oh, I could carve out a couple hours. I just got to do it. I just got to, you know, Sunday, I got to sit with my Jacoji. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Rain. <laughs> uh, isn't Sangha wonderful? <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of my outhouse and show it to you. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can bring it into the Zendo. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a, unless anyone would like to share anything else, um, I have a little bit about practice I'd like to I'd like to share with everyone. Uh, I recently been rereading uh, the the platform sutra. I think many of you know the platform sutra. It's the sutra of the sixth patriarch Wenang. Um, and of course it includes that wonderful story. It's almost movie material of um, him receiving the road, the robe his robe from his teacher. Um, but uh, later on in the Platform Sutra, he goes on to talk very specifically about practice itself, the practice experience itself. Um, and there's three, three main elements that he, he talks about in, in practice. Um, uh, one is called straightforwardness. Uh, and it could also be translated as direct or maybe uh, wholeheartedness. Um, so Wei Neng, our ancestor, um, talked about straightforward practice. And uh, I, have a, I have a quote here. Um, he says, our practice, this practice, is called one practice samadhi, meaning that at all times, whether walking, standing, sitting, or lying down, always practice with a straightforward mind. Pramalakirti Sutra says that a straightforward mind is the place of enlightenment, is the pure land itself. Simply practice with a straightforward mind and don't become attached to any dharma. This is the one practice samadhi. So we could ask ourselves and inquire within our own practice, is our practice straightforward? Or what is a straightforward 
direct practice. Well, something that comes to mind for me is uh, uh, this sense of um, this traditional sense from um, from uh, Wenang and uh, and from Dogen. It was carried from Dogen. Uh, what we call shikan or shikantaza, sitting just for itself sitting to not set up a practice or not employ a practice, not employ our practice for the sake of something else, but let the practice just exist for itself, just for the, just for the experience itself. We don't, as Okamura Roshi said, we don't, we don't take on a kind of merchant's mind. We don't try and by with practice a special state of mind or a um, a kind of uh, heightened awareness or concentration. We just let the practice um, exist for itself. That's shikan. That's one. That that could be one um, understanding of straightforward mind, direct practice. Another another thing that comes to mind is straightforward practice is um, uh, how to say this. It's just it's just of the moment. It's not it's not to uh, it's not to be uh, it's not to be for something. Uh, other than itself, as far as uh, another time. Um, so there's this there's this famous saying: if you if you if you want to practice suchness, if you want to practice as it isness, thusness, if you want to practice fully the the truth of the way, um, if you want to practice suchness, practice suchness without delay. In other words, practice it. Right now, practice it. Practice it as it as it as it is experienced. So, with whatever mind you have in practice, whether it's a uh, whether it's a um, a perfectly calm and peaceful mind, whether it's a settled mind, whether it's a uh, sleepy, dreamy, dissipated mind, whether it's an agitated mind, whatever, whatever mind that you have, you, you practice that. You practice, to, you totally practice with that mind as it is. So this is kind of the, maybe an understanding of a straight, forward mind, straightforward practice. And the other, uh, the other thing that Wei Neng uh, in, taught us, uh, spoke, uh, spoke of about practice is, um, is not stopping thought. 
Now, we often think in our practice that uh, we have to maybe perhaps follow our breath or be uh, aware of um, or sort of establish a kind of meditative um, setup, a meditative state and um, um, stop thinking. But uh, this, is, this is what Weineng says. And it may, it, may be a, it may be a totally different take that you usually have about practice. And he says, he's talking to his assembly now. He says, good friends, since ancient times, this Dharma teaching of ours, both direct and indirect versions has proclaimed no thought as its doctrine, no form as its body and no attachment as its foundation. What do we mean by a form that is no form? To be free from form in the presence of forms and no thought, not to think about thoughts and no attachment, which is everyone's basic nature. Thought after thought, not to become attached, whether it's a, whether it's a past thought, a present thought or a future thought. Let one thought follow another without interruption. This is the advice of the sixth ancestor. Let one thought follow another thought without interruption. And he goes on to say, once a thought is interrupted, a Dharma body becomes, becomes separate from the material body. When you go from one thought to another, don't become attached to any dharma. Once one thought becomes attached, every thought becomes attached, which is what we call bondage. But when you go from one thought to another thought without becoming attached to any dharma, there is no bondage. This is why no attachment is our foundation. So, Weineng says, in talking about practice, and he's talking about the actual experience of practice, practice with a straightforward mind, with no agenda, with no um, strategy, with no uh, gaining idea. Um, just let practice be for itself. Do not try and stop thought. Let one thought flow. Let, let thought after thought flow. But, be, but, and this was the third point, do not become attached to any dharma. So, there we go. We have our instructions from Weineng in our practice to straightforwardly practice to not try and obstruct thought or control thought. In other words, don't become the bully of your own practice. Don't try and strong arm your practice. Accept the mind that arises, whatever mind arises and work with that. Work with, work with whatever mind arises, but 
Do not become attached. Do not cling. Do not grasp. Do not try and hold on to any dharma, any thought, any sensation, any phenomena. Let them come and go. Let them come and go. You're the you're the um, the maitre d. You're the host. You're the boss of. You're the. Um, you could say you're the. Uh, you're the overseer of this of this expansive and beautiful conscious mind. So let it be straightforward. Let it be. Do not obstruct anything. Do not try and manage or obstruct anything. Um, but also, be, not be. Do not be attached to any dharma. So. This is the teaching. Um, this is a teaching we have from Weineng. Um, and if you want to uh, study this a, a little more deeply, I encourage you to read read um, the the Platform Sutra of Weineng. The Platform Sutra. It's really it's really a wonderful teaching, and it it goes into this a little more a little more depth. Well, there's lots, lots more we can talk about as far as our practice. Um, lots, lots more. Um, I think we've, I think we've, <coughs> we've run out of time. Um, <coughs> did Did you have something to say? Uh, yes, I, I had a quick question on what what you just the teaching that you described. Hmm. Um. So as, um, as the Platform Sutra talks about the straightforward mind, the mind uh, who is practicing suchness uh, and practicing be, being the dharma by practicing suchness and being awareness by practicing awareness and uh, not having the merchant's mind, that makes... Uh, sense uh, that makes a lot of sense but what i'm trying to reconcile it is i'm trying to reconcile it with um, the the idea of a bodhisattva uh, the idea of a bodhisattva who who i assume does that but also has um, in his mind the idea of uh, saving all beings or the idea of tasting the truth of the Tathagata's words, or the or or even the Prajna Paramita Mantra, which says Gate Gate Paragate Parasamgate Bodhi Swaha. So these so these things seems like things that a Bodhisattva aims for or vows to. And and so I'm trying to reconcile that with the teaching. That you just described, which is what we have uh, gone over multiple times, which is practicing suchness as it is. So, how do we, how do, how do, how do these two things um, reconcile? Hmm. <laughs> Big question. Uh, 
practice the practice itself uh, is is both settling and knowing, both settling and seeing. Uh, classically, it's described as shamatha vipassana or shamatha vipassana um, yokanada, which means the yoking or the joining of of settling or being present and and knowing, seeing what's going on. So that's that is kind of you could say the the place of gestation for wisdom for understanding for for seeing things as they are and uh, and that naturally I mean completely unavoidably you could say. Um, itself is the gestation for uh, the, the bodhisattva ideal or the sense of uh, uh, total involvement with all beings and things. Uh, so I would say we do not necessarily have to uh, intend or invoke a kind of uh, idea of compassion into our practice. I would say rather that practice compassion naturally, naturally um, evolves or comes out of this, this, the practice itself. Uh, it's unavoidable. Sorry, if you practice, you're gonna end up being compassionate. Um, you can't help it. <laughs> so, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you for your question. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jokoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Jikoji, please visit us on the web at jikoji.org.